Okay, so so far we've covered on our seven-week study on the model prayer. Uh, we've covered the object of our prayer, a prayer of praise, a prayer of surrender, praying for ourselves, praying for others, and today we're going to look at praying a prayer of confession, a prayer of confession. <laughs> I trust that we have been blessed as a result of what we've covered so far. We have been enlightened, encouraged, and challenged, and that those uh, lessons are working for us. Here's the setting for our study today. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray using what we call the model prayer. He instructed them to ask the Father to forgive and protect them. Psalm 51 serves as a fitting example of a prayer for forgiveness and restoration. King David wrote the psalm for after Nathan confronted him about his sin. And we see that account recorded in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. In the psalm, David described his willingness to confess his sin and seek God's forgiveness. He also prayed for a spiritual renewal and restoration. That's our backdrop for our study today. With that, let's turn to page 109 and look at that first question. What makes it so hard to say, I'm sorry? Pride. That's a major thing, right? The major issue is pride. Nobody wants to humble themselves to the point where they... Why do you think that is so? Because of sin. Huh? Because of sin. Because of sin, okay. The flesh. The flesh, all right. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. Okay, nobody likes to be wrong. And admitting it, that's a tall order. Some people think they're never wrong. Yeah, that's true. Some people think they're never wrong. All right. Uh, Let's look at Bible meets life on page 110. He told me he hadn't sinned in seven years. Wow. <laughs> While sharing the gospel, I asked a man the simple question, have you ever committed a sin? I've asked that question hundreds of times. Almost everyone readily admits they have, but I didn't expect this man's answer. Mm. Yes, I have sinned, but not in seven years. Mm. Culture likes to rank sins and continually redefines what is a sin and what is not. On an individual level, we do this too. Many of us even try to rationalize away our sin, coming up with a way to justify what we do as if to say it's okay. The fact is, all of us have sinned, and we all need forgiveness. More than anyone who has ever lived, Jesus understands the depth of our sins. He willingly died to set us free from those very sins. In the model prayer Jesus taught us, he gave us the privilege of praying a prayer of confession. Jesus let his followers know we can come to him anytime for forgiveness and renewal. Okay, what is the point of our lesson today? God forgives when we come to Him in repentance. God always forgives when we come to Him in repentance. Let's pray. Lord, 
help us to see the depth of our sins and to have the courage to confront them. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look at the first verse we have is uh, Matthew 6, 12, and 13. Uh, just read the verse. And we're going to look at those two verses. Anybody? And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay. <clears throat> forgive us our debts. What is a debt? Bills. Bills, Bills right? Something we owe. Yeah. That ought to be paid. Mm-hmm. All right? Uh, what is our debt? What is our debt? Our debt is sin. Who paid it? Jesus. Jesus paid it. That was a heavy price. That was a big, and guess what? That's a debt that we couldn't pay. Somebody had to pay it. And Jesus paid it. One time ago, did we sell that card? He said, we free. He said, we free. Mm-hmm. He breaks the vines of prison for me. That's an old one. I'm glory by Jesus to see. He set me free. Okay. So once we ask once we ask God to provide us with what we need so we can do his will, we're ready to talk with him about another critical prayer concern. We turn our attention to praying for forgiveness and protection from future temptation. Jesus brought forgiveness to our attention by teaching us to approach the Father as a debtor. Our sins count count against us as a debt that needs to be paid. There are a lot of people who don't pay their debts. Uh, today and, uh, and and they get shamed because of the of doing that. Granted, Jesus paid the debt for our sin by dying on the cross. He went to Calvary. He paid the price required so our sin could be taken away from us forever. In fact, the Greek word for forgiven, this verse means to send away. When we receive his gift of salvation, he took away our sins never to return. Those sins ain't coming back. Okay, in fact, we are told that he cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Anybody know where that is? Anybody know where the sea of forgetfulness is? Although we have the assurance of salvation, we still sin against God. We are forgiven sinners. And we can't pretend we no longer sin, like that fellow who said he hadn't sinned in seven years. We can't pretend that we don't, we don't sin. Instead of living in denial, Jesus instructed us to talk candidly and honestly to God about the debt of our sins, and he intends for us to go one step further. Jesus expects us to ask the Father to forgive us. When we take that vital step in prayer, we help our relationship with God to become even more robust and even more durable. Asking to be forgiven has two dimensions. 
While we concentrate on our relationship with the Lord, we cannot overlook our connection with other people. Sometimes we don't think of how our sins affect others. We know what it's like to be wounded by injustice or cruelty. The pain of the wound can make us think that we have a right to retaliate against people who wronged us. Or we may foster the notion that we would be justified in holding a grudge against them. Instead of taking either of these actions, we forgive them by sending them, sending their sin away from our hearts. Get away from me, this sin. Then we're ready to experience the fresh joy that comes when he sends away our sin away from him. But then the verse goes on in verse 13. It says, and lead us not, where? But deliver us from from evil. So along with forgiveness, Jesus showed us how to pray for protection, which comes in the shape of spiritual direction. Our misguided steps have caused us to sin against him in the past. By coming to God with repentant hearts, we experience his forgiveness in keeping with our determination to forgive others. But we don't stop there. Growing Christians do well when we ask God to guide us into the future. Trying times regularly place us in difficult situations that require some really, really tough choices. Without the Father's leadership, we may be tempted to turn trial into an opportunity for selfish advantage. We find ourselves handling the trial in a way that feeds our sinful desires or habits. And that's why we are wise to ask the Father to lead us away from temptation. Lead us not into temptation. So in this model, uh, this portion of the model prayer, Jesus brought the source of temptation into view. Jesus described him as evil. We know who that is. He's malicious. And we need to be protected from his schemes and vices. Jesus asked the Father for the Father's protection by praying for him to deliver us. Lord, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Protect us from him because he is vicious. How does the Bible describe him? He's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, the devourer, right? Okay, let's look at the paragraphs that go with that, um, those two verses. Someone read those, please. We should not be surprised to learn from the of sin is a part of the model prayer. But we might be surprised it's not the first time we visit. The Psalms acknowledge that. If we build unto unconfessed sins, all these other prayers will be if I have been aware of noise in my heart, the Lord will not have listened. Psalm 6, 6, 18. As we are, as we are already seeing, the mountain prayer begins with the focus on God and the desire to honor Him and live in line with His Lordship and Kingdom. See Matthew 6, 9 to 10. After this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Okay. Only focus on the any unconfessed sin can be also come into focus. As we turn to his Lordship over us, we also turn from our sin. Pray without regular confession. Prayer without regular confession will barely be considered a prayer, a true prayer. Jesus never implied the act of prayer about it and turn a tone for our sins. Our confessions, our confession is not in any way comparable to Jesus' death on the cross, where he paid our penalty for sin once and for all. Confession is coming and repentance to the one who can atone for us for our sins. The prayer of confession means we accept personal accountability for what we have done. When we come to God in prayer, we are not attempting to hide behind fig leaves, Genesis 3 7, as Adam and Eve did when they realized they had done wrong and tried to cover themselves. Instead, we pray transparently, admitting our need for forgiveness. Next page. Translated for you, urges immediate action. It's as if Jesus was urging us to pray, forgive us not. We have the need to confess our sin without forgiving. The verb also indicates a complete action, which can indicate that we desire forgiveness as a thought. We never use, we never need to deal with the sin again because God's forgiveness is final and complete. Thankfully, God does forgive us in Christ once and for all. But we still face temptation and struggle with sin. Therefore, Jesus called us not to pray for forgiveness, but also pray do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We should ask God to help us avoid future sin by keeping us away from the area of our most persistent temptations. We should ask God to lead us away from the things and places that tempt us. For sure, that does not imply God would ever lead us into temptation in the first place. Instead, we are honest in prayer by admitting we need God's help to avoid the circumstances where we can be most compromised. So, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Non-temptation has overcome us, come upon us, except what is common in the mind. But God is faithful, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, we also provide a way out so that we, we may be able to be able. First Corinthians 10, 37. Okay. So as we have seen, the moral prayer begins with a focus on God 
a desire to honor him and live in line with his lordship and kingdom. Question number two, what are the benefits of forgiving others? God will forgive us. Peace. peace. Okay. God will also forgive us. God will forgive us. Don't you have peace when you, when you forgive someone? You get that burden that's been lifted, right? Okay. What are the other benefits? Any others? Besides peace? Comfort. Huh? Comfort. Comfort? Okay. Yeah. You feel comfortable around that person because you have huh? freedom. Okay. You don't feel chained and bind. Okay. All right, in the next verses, we'll see why we must confess sin and ask God's forgiveness. So let's look at the other passage we have, and that's Psalm 51, verses 1 to 7. Someone go ahead and read that, please. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity yourself, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with essence, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Okay. Question number three. What are the benefits of confessing specific sins? What are the benefits? One has the assurance of God Himself that He will forgive. Okay, you have the assurance of God. Okay. What else? The adversary um, does not have a foothold uh, to make you feel guilty later or ashamed when you have dealt with it specifically. But when we say, "Oh Lord, forgive me my sins." Um, Sometimes he can use, the adversary can use and bring to mind later, and you think, oh, I didn't confess that. And, and it helps us to know that we have dealt with it with God. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes, God wants us to be specific. He's specific, so why shouldn't we be specific when it comes to our sins? Notice what David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. So, uh, King David taught us to confess our sin and seek God's forgiveness. Confess and ask or seek forgiveness. His experience of forgiveness started with the jarring awareness that he had sinned against God. God Almighty. And many times we need to be mindful that even if we would be have done offended somebody else, we need to remember that first of all is a sin against God. He had an affair with Bathsheba and then her husband had her husband killed. Nathan confronted him and David's heart melted in repentance. You look at Second Samuel, you see that account. A very interesting account. David turned to God and begged him to be gracious and compassionate toward him. 
he didn't give any excuses for what he had done. Verse, notice what he says in verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before you. David was mindful that God is omniscient. He doesn't miss anything. He knows everything and he sees everything. And many times we need to be mindful that God doesn't miss anything, even though we may try to hide it. God doesn't miss anything. And so as David prayed, he pled with God to wash away his sin. The ugly and vile sin needed to be removed like filth had to be washed out of dirty clothes or dirty robes. In David's day, God's people would go through a ceremony of washing themselves before they came into the presence of worship. The ceremonial cleansing prepared them to meet him. In the same way, David asked God to cleanse him spiritually so he could be fit for worship one more time. David could never get the guilt of his sin to subside on his own. It always troubled him. He couldn't get his mind off the rebellion against God, his rebellion against God. What did it, it, it pierced his conscience. Couldn't live with it. Notice what he says in verse 4. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so David's sin affected the lives of countless people. Not just him, not just God, but a lot of other people. But it had, it had mangled his relationship with God. It destroyed his relationship with God. God alone had given David his life, all that he had and everything that he was enjoying. God had protected David from harm and placed him on the throne of Israel. And so with David's sin, he had literally squandered what God had done, done for him, taking it for granted. He had sacrificed it on the altar of his own lust, is what he actually did. And so David had to agree with God's assessment of his sin. And that's what God really wants us to do. God wants us to agree with him that we have sinned, or what we, what we call acknowledge. And so David came to terms with the fact that the responsibility for what he had done rested on his own shoulders. He couldn't blame God. Now many times people do that. They blame somebody else. Sin had been a part of his life ever since the day of his birth. And he mentioned that when he said, talks about it in his mother's womb, conceived. And his tendency to sin had accompanied him, he says, from his mother's womb. He says in verse 6, You delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Dealing with his sin had shown David something about God too. While David had, sin, had a sinful nature, God had a righteous desire. You notice that. While, while David gave himself to the desire that led him to deception and lies, God desired integrity in his life. And he realized that. Anyone who followed him would seek to be characterized by integrity too. Such honesty didn't show up only on the surface. It would permeate deep inside what others could see on the outside. God could see on the inside. God always looks on the inside. Mm -hmm. What happens on the outside doesn't bother him. He's not amused, he's not, he's not impressed with outward appearances. He looks right through 
and he sees what's happening on the inside. Notice what he says in verse 7. Purge me with high sop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So David prayed to be forgiven. David asked God to remove the contamination of his sin. When he brought up Hysop, he had God's mercy in mind. Just before God delivered his people from uh, Egyptian bondage, he told them to use Hysop stalks and smear blood of lambs on the doorposts of the houses uh, so that he would see the blood and pass over that house. And so Hysop was a small plant with a silk with a stalk that produces small flowers and bunches, which made it suitable to serve as a brush. And so when we hear him talking about that hyssop, he's talking about using a brush to, to apply the blood. The blood would protect the people of Egypt from the plague that God would bring upon them that brought about the death of the firstborn males in Exodus chapter 12. Uh, impacting, penetrating story. Priests also use hyssop to drizzle blood on the lepers who had been made whole and could be restored to the community. David again asked God to wash him. The filth of his sin needed to be removed and only God could cleanse him thoroughly. Only God could do that. Once God washed away his sin, David knew it would be gone for good and that he would be absolutely forgiven, that his sins would be cast where? In the sea of forgetfulness, as it were. Let's look at the paragraphs uh, that go with those verses on page 114. Someone go ahead and read that, please. God himself described David as a man after my own heart out of 1 Samuel 13, 14. Yet, a dark period in David's life would be described today as a major scandal. Mm. Uh, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. A reporter might present this as a story of a bored king who summoned one of his female citizens, engaged in an adulterous one-night stand, and then sent her home. In due time, Bathsheba sent word to the king she was pregnant with his child. What began as a private indiscretion escalated quickly into a much bigger problem. David's sin would lead to a string of others ultimately ending in murder. David then married the widow Bathsheba, convinced he had concealed the matter. But God knew, and David knew. David had covered his sin from everyone but God in his own conscience. Mm -hmm. As he tried to suppress his guilt, his spiritual life dried up. When Nathan the prophet confronted David, the king responded by confessing, I have sinned against the Lord. 2 Samuel 12, 13. David documented his confession in Psalm 51. It's been said that sin thrills and then it kills. Even if the only victim is the conscience of the sinner. If you extend the feeling of a dead conscience, out across an entire culture, everyone becomes far from God and indifferent toward each other. Victimless sins do not exist. Hmm. Jesus called us to do what David did, confess, to remedy the guilt 
and that feeling of always being unclean, Jesus told us to cry out to God in prayer, forgive us, Luke 11, verse 4. God wants us to acknowledge sin, confess it, turn from it, and be forgiven. Okay, very good. Notice, Jesus called us to do what David did, confess, to remedy the guilt and that feeling of always being unclean. Jesus told us to cry out to God in prayer, forgive us. And that's the cry that every sinner should not ignore. God wants to acknowledge, wants us to acknowledge sin, confess it, turn from it, and be forgiven. Okay, the next verse is, uh, show us how to how we can seek restoration and renewal from the Lord that's the last passage we have let's look at that someone can read the verse and then read the comments uh, read the, the, the um, paragraphs after the verse as well Sense that he should have known better. 
we just need the Holy Spirit's help just as much as everyone else. All of us are subject to temptation, and if we do not seek God and His spiritual, spiritual, supernatural help, we will fail. So what made David an act for God's own heart? It simply was not his sins and failures. It was his spirit and desire afterwards. David turned back to God wholeheartedly. He sought more than freedom from sin. He sought the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit. In his life, David desired a heart like God. A heart like God's can also be ours as we pray. Forgive us our debts. Matthew 6, verse 12. Okay. Question number four. When have you experienced a clean heart and renewed spirit? Anybody? Yes. When you are forgiven a person who you thought you would never forgive. Mm. So, uh, when a uh, scene like David, number one, he was anointed, you must remember, mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. He was he was a king over Israel. And when they heard this wrong and doing wrong, to bring shame approach upon the people. So uh, being and I lived in a box certain state, I know what it is when David said, I went to the house of the Lord in the crowd, but my heart was far from God. Like David asked the watchman, where is he to satisfy my soul? Mm-hmm. These are the questions you would ask if you really want sincere, waited, and you straight away, mm-hmm. you come just like David. Okay. Good. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Notice in the paragraph it says, When David committed adultery and murder, his life certainly went off course spiritually. Mm-hmm. And we can bear our course off God's path for us in much the same way. Though we may not be guilty of the same sins as David, all of us have strayed from the path. The good news is God allows us to start over. We can begin again. That's what happened for David. He sought the Lord in prayer to find restoration. So what made David a man after God's own heart? It certainly wasn't the sins, his sins and failures. It was his spirit and desires afterwards. David turned back to God wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, wholeheartedly. He sought more than freedom from sin. He sought the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit in his life. God desired a heart like God's. A heart like God's can also be ours as we pray, forgive us our debts. Question number five, what role should confession play in our group? What role should confession play in our class? Always be willing and ready to forgive. Always be willing and ready. That's what David showed us, right? Always be, never be reluctant. Always be willing and ready. The point again, God forgives 
when we come to him in, in repentance. He's not going to forgive if you don't come to repent. All right, because he don't have anything to forgive you of if you have nothing to repent. Okay? All right, let's look at uh, how we can flesh this out. Uh, page 116. Confession and repentance are needed steps to maintain our fellowship with God. Choose one of the following applications. Confess sin. Each time you pray, ask God to reveal any unconfessed sin. As God reveals things to you, turn from them, seek his forgiveness, and thank him for his cleansing. And then read. Read and pray through Psalm 51. Ask God to give you a renewed dependence upon him. It's a good psalm to read regularly. Seek forgiveness. If others have been hurt by some sin you've committed, confess that sin to him and or her and ask for forgiveness. That's important. So we get three things there. Confess sin, read, and seek forgiveness. Praise is a natural part to travel as we confess, repent, and seek God's renewal. Let God's forgiveness lead you to a person after, lead you to be a person after God's own heart. Wouldn't we like to be that? A person after God's own heart. And when we look at David and what he had done, what he's gone through, and he could be that? We haven't done ever. minute iota of what David did. And yet he was described as a man after God's own heart because he wholeheartedly repented of his sin.